Welcome to Enjoying the Journey with Evangelist Scott Pauling. Today, we are on a journey through Scripture. We hope you'll join us as we make 66 stops through each book of the Word of God. Have you watched the news lately? I must tell you that sometimes when I watch the news, I get a little discouraged. It's bad news after bad news after bad news. One of the great dangers of watching too much news, frankly, is that we get our eyes on the national scene. Someone says, well, shouldn't we look at the national scene? Of course we should. We should keep up with current events. We should pray for our nation. We should be aware of what's going on around us and a part of so many things. And yet, one of the dangers of looking at the national picture is forgetting the personal one. For example, national problems come because of personal problems. National victories are won through personal victories. National revival can only come from personal revival. When you come to a book like 2 Kings, where our journey takes us to today, it's easy to look at the national picture, to see a nation, to to see kings and kingdoms and see an empire but neglect the message of the Holy Spirit to your own soul. And may I say to you, these things are given for our examples, the Scripture says. In other words, God shows us these nations and their disruption and their disobedience so that we will learn from it. It's easy to spot another man's sin, but sometimes it's hard to spot our own. Oh, my friend, it's time that all of us take a long, hard look at our own lives. It's easy for me to get angry and anxious about the wickedness and darkness all around me. But what about the darkness creeping into my own soul? Well, that's the message God has for us in the book of 2 Kings. Now, it's a continuation of the story. It is the sequel of 1 Kings. You remember, in 1 Kings, the nation of Israel was divided. It now becomes two nations, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Well, when you pick up the story in 2 Kings, you find Israel and Judah taking an even further step away from God. Now, this book covers a vast span of history. As a matter of fact, this one book covers about 300 years. And may I say that this 300 years is a downward spiral. It is a deterioration in a hurry. Some people have thought when they look at the books of Kings that it's a book about royalty. But actually... The book of 2 Kings is not a book about royalty. It's a book about captivity. Because now, more than disruption, more than just the nation being divided, which was bad enough, both of these nations, Israel and Judah, go into captivity. Their disruption becomes disaster. Remember, they broke the first commandment. God said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. They disobeyed that. They've become idolaters. That was their root sin. Bondage is now their fruit. It is as if God said, All right, you want other gods? Then I'm going to let you go into bondage, into captivity, under the most idolatrous people on earth, and live there and see how you like it. Remember, sometimes God gives you what you want, and then you don't want what you have. Israel goes into captivity to the Assyrians, and then Judah goes into the captivity 
of the Babylonians. It is as if that which once we managed now becomes our master. Isn't that just like our own sin? Remember, this is not a national message. It's a personal one. That little thing that we excuse and make room for and think we can control eventually turns to become our captor. And now we live in the slavery of sin. We live in captivity. My friend, sin always leads to captivity. And this book helps us to understand the consequences of disobedience. Let's break into the middle of it. Let me read you a verse from 2 Kings chapter 10 and verse number 10. 2 Kings 10.10 says this, Know now that there shall fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord hath done that which he spake by his servant Elijah. Now, this particular verse finds its context in just one of the many kings that are mentioned in this book, but it's a microcosm of the whole. It is, it is the, the long story in short. What's the story? That the kings have done the wrong thing before God. Oh, there were a few good kings, but by and large, they're wicked men like Ahab who decided they would take their own path. They would choose their own route. And so what does God do? God sends them preachers. In this particular verse, it's the servant Elijah. Oh, what a preacher Elijah was. You're actually going to find, though, that the story found in 2 Kings is a parallel to many of the Old Testament prophets. You have people like Jonah and Amos and Hosea preaching to Israel before they go into the Assyrian captivity. And then you have men like Obadiah and Joel and Isaiah and Micah and Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah and Jeremiah preaching to the southern kingdom of Judah before they go into Babylonian captivity. Friend, God always sends His preacher. May I ask, who's the preacher God has sent your way today? Uh, what's the message the Lord's trying to get across to you? Who's the Lord or what has the Lord put in your path to try to stop you from going into such the captivity of sin and disrupting your life and the lives of so many other people. Well, hear this. The Bible says, Know now that there shall not fall unto the earth any word of the Lord. Know now that there shall fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord. Friend, everything God says is truth. Everything God promises, He produces. Everything God warns of comes to fruition. You see, the great message of 2 Kings is not about the word of some human king. It's about the word of the king, the word of God. It's not simply about what we do. It's about what God says He's going to do if we fail to obey Him. And so, if you journey through 2 Kings, you begin in the first 10 chapters with the story of Israel, the northern kingdom. Why does God begin with Israel? Well, I believe... He begins there because God requires much from those who have the most light. And you're going to find out that men like Elijah and Elisha primarily ministered in the northern kingdom. Think of the light they had. Friend, if God has given you much light, then you have much to be accountable for. And whom much is given, much is required. And then when you come to chapters 11 through 17, in the middle of the book, you get the story of both Israel and Judah. In these chapters, the story alternates back and forth to show different kings and what they're doing and all of that. And that section then ends with Israel going in to Assyrian captivity. And let me just pause for a moment and say, even in the midst of the darkness, you see glimmers of light. Friend, God always has His people. 
There's always a remnant. Even in a wicked day, there are people serving the Lord. No matter how bad the national news may be today, make sure you're part of the remnant, serving God and walking in a holy path before Him today. And then the book ends in chapters 18 through 25 with the story of Judah. Judah fought off the Assyrian captivity. Uh, They will eventually go into Babylonian captivity, but they get a little space of grace. They get a little room. What brought that about? Well, read it for yourself at the end of 2 Kings chapter 18 and chapter 22 and 23. You'll find that a spiritual awakening comes, a revival and reform. Some changes come. Now make an application to our own generation. I believe God has given us a little room to repent. He's long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's given us a space of grace, a moment to turn to Him. Friend, judgment is coming. The consequences of sin are inevitable. But we have this moment to turn to the Lord. You can't choose for everyone, but you must choose for yourself. You can't make the whole nation turn to the Lord, but you can turn to Him yourself today. And I hope and pray that your life will not be the story of the consequences of disobedience. It will be the story of obedience. Friend, did you know that the purpose of the Bible is not to know the Bible, the facts, the people, the places, but instead the purpose of the Bible is to know God. Do you know Him? Do you know that God has already done everything necessary for you to know Him? Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on the cross and rose again from the dead to pay for your sin debt. It is our prayer that you will trust Jesus today. If you'd like additional help in your Christian life, be sure to visit our website, scottpauley.org. Among the many resources we have available, we're excited to make available to you a Journey Through Scripture daily Bible reading plan. This will be a tremendous help in our current study. Until next time, may God help you to enjoy the journey.